Hi everyone, Lockie Mansell here. You've tuned into the Checkered Flag Chat Podcast. As has become tradition for the Yates to Long Weekend, it's time for a huge field of production cars to flock to Mount Panorama for the high-tech oils Bathurst 6 hour. There are some cool cars, plenty of stars, and some intriguing storylines to discuss. So, let's get straight into it. Your ultimate Bathurst 6 hour preview here on Checkered Flag Chat. Joining me to preview the 2023 edition of the High Tech Oils Bathurst 6 Hour, he is quite the production car aficionado, Dave Stillwell. You were, I saw a sneaky Stillwell family racing entry on the original entry list, but unfortunately it doesn't look like that's part of the field anymore. No, unfortunately, Lachlan, great to be here on the Checkered Flag Chat podcast. Very much looking forward to uh, this year's instalment of Australia's premier production car enduro. Unfortunately, uh, while my father's had a bit of success team managing for the uh, for the Holloways aboard their Toyota Sleek in the last couple of years, decided to make the, the step back behind the wheel and bought a Mustang. Um, unfortunately, uh, time, COVID, production delays, international shipping, uh, dyno tuning, whatever it is, unfortunately, we're not at a point where we can put together a reliable package on the grid that we've got confidence in, that we've tested and shaken down. This is not an enduro that you rock up to with a car you just finished the night before with the paint still drying. Uh, this is an event you wanna to come to with a car that's well sorted, that's well researched, with all of the bugs ironed out, with all your drivers having had plenty of time behind the wheel. And without being able to tick all those boxes before the event, it's not something we want to um, want to risk uh, debuting a car uh, on the 6,213 metres of beautiful tarmac around Mount Panorama. So for this uh, for this year's event, we'll be watching on uh, watching on from home. Uh, I might make a sneaky trip up and help out the vast crew of Motorsport Australia volunteer officials helping to make the event come to life. But uh, if you want the best seat in the house and you want the best information. Tune into the next few minutes on the podcast. We'll uh, give you all you need to know. Well, I think that's a sensible approach. I think rocking up at Mount Panorama for an endurance race with a car that, let's face it, it has not started life as a purpose-built race car. It's started as a road car and been adapted into a racing car. You want to make sure it's thoroughly tried and tested before you hit the mountain. And if we cast our mind back to last year, you'll remember that Marcus Ambrose and George Medici, who were supposed to be running a Ford Mustang, they withdrew their entry because they weren't confident that it was going to be reliable. And they are in the field this year, and we'll talk about them as we run through the podcast. Now, for those of you who are regular listeners of the Checkered Flag Chat podcast, you'll know that I like to go through every car in the field. But for the Bathurst 6 Hour, because of the sheer volume of entries, I've decided that to go through every car would probably take way too long. So what we're going to do instead is we're going to run through each of the different classes in the field and just highlight some of the combinations in those classes, starting from what is ostensibly the slowest class, class E for compact cars. And in the past, Dave, in this class, we've seen Suzuki Swifts, we've seen Hyundai XLs, but this year it's a pair of Mazda 3 SP25s. That's the 
two and a half litre four-cylinder version of the Mazda 3. We've got the Cameron Bella Motorsport entry, Porsche 944 Series regular Cameron Bella, teaming up with Andrew Jackman, also out of the Porsche 944 Series. And then uh, the very experienced endurance racer, Phil Alexander, in the raceway track time, Mazda 3, which he'll be sharing with Stephen Dury. And also Shane Fowler from Shane Signs, who is well-renowned for the, the sign-writing work that he does on a lot of race cars uh, that compete at Bathurst each year. Absolutely. This is lit quite literally the Zoom Zoom class because we've got two Mazdas. Uh, it is a little bit sad. We don't have the, the, the legends from Champ Racing with their trio of Suzuki Swift sports. But of course, uh, this is a race where year on year, there's a lot of churn through the entry list. Uh, as we'll see as we go through the rest of the classes. These, these teams, regardless of who it is, effectively, the guaranteed a class podium, the guaranteed a class trophy, uh, just by making it to the end. And it's that making it to the end, which is the challenge for a lot of teams, as you alluded to, when they're working with production-based race cars. The Mazda 3 SP25, not the most complex of vehicles, but as we get higher and higher in the dollar spend and the complexity of the vehicles, just making it to the end of this race is an achievement on its own. So some of these teams will put in a surprise performance just purely by being able to be out on track, churn away the laps and have minimal issues, get their small number of compulsory pit stops done without any fuss. And because they're a lighter car, not so heavy on tyres, not so heavy on brakes, they can make it to the end without too much in the way of mechanical uh, interference. Uh, they'll be on for a good showing and will probably show up a lot of the faster class C and D cars who might find their way back to the pit lane with mechanical issues. If I had to tip a car for the class win, I reckon that the number two Bell and Motorsport car might just have a bit of an advantage in terms of outright speed. We know that Cameron Bella is very quick based on his form in the Porsche 944 series. So then we move up to class D, which is called production which is kind of um, an interesting choice of description, given that all of the cars in the field are production cars. But anyway, this is the domain of cars that are of a slightly higher performance level than the cars in Class E. And in previous years, this has been very much the domain of Toyota AH6s. But this year, there's only a couple of AH6s in the class. We've got a couple of Mazda RX-8s. A VW Golf GTI, a BMW 125i, and also a Honda Integra Type R. So, good diversity of cars within this class. Absolutely. So, only the, the single turbocharged car in the Golf GDI, and quite a number of other normally aspirated vehicles. Great to see, again, we talked about Class E cars before, and this is a race where people could put cars together themselves. Um, you know, the BMW 125i, essentially, that's the step up for um, Andrew Macker uh, moving up from Class E in the Mazda 3 into a rear-wheel drive 3-litre BMW. Uh, basically a 1-series coupe version of the car that you might have seen, uh, the 130i in Class C, but a little bit heavier and not so much power. Um, the Toyotas and the, um, of course, it's Subaru BRZ STI cousin, um, both very well-developed cars, not a huge degree of horsepower. We see plenty of racing for those cars throughout the course of the year the Toyota Gazoo Racing Australia 86 series. Of course, very well proven platform. Um, the Golf GDI, we've seen some Golfs running in production car racing, occasionally start to see some electrical remnants creep in. Uh, and, you know, for a manufacturer that produces 
uh, high revving uh, motorcycle engines, far be it for me to uh, tell people not to pay attention to the Honda Integra on the grid uh, because those things will rev nearly twice around the clock um, in endurance racing without any major difficulties. So the Honda definitely my money for the reliability, um, but certainly for the dependability it's uh, hard to go past some of the uh, the well well driven Toyota 86s. So a few drivers that I'd like to highlight in class today. So you mentioned there Andrew Macker, which is Andrew McMaster. So thanks for teaming up with his fellow improved production New South Wales competitor David Worrell and also slotting into that car very experienced motoring journalist Tim Robson. He was actually the editor of Auto Action way back in 2004 when I did my work experience there. So good to have Robbo joining the field for the six hour. Looking forward to seeing how he goes. Uh, also Rick Shaw, very experienced rotary racer. His son Tom Shaw, who was the champion in Mazda RX-8 Cup last year, will be in that car along with David Cox. And then the other combination that has a couple of key names in it is the number 86 Toyota 86, Christopher Heinegger being joined by Daniel Flanagan from Fifth Gear Motoring and also Dean Chapman. And Daniel Flanagan's had a lot of experience in endurance races, particularly the Wakefield, Winton and Sydney 300s. Well, the other great thing about a lot of the cars in this category is that if you build the car in the right way, a lot of these cars can be used and have been throughout the course of the year used for all different kinds of racing. We mentioned uh, Macca's 125i has done a lot of development work running in uh, under three litre class in improved production. And of course the Mazda RX-8s, if you uh, take the six hour stickers and put the RX-8 cup stickers on and a set of Nankang tyres, perfect for the uh, Mazda RX-8 cup series which of course Rick was uh, instrumental in bringing to life. And then of course there's, uh, there's quite a no there's several dozen Toyota 86s running around the country in that uh, Toyota Gazoo Racing Australia series. Uh, plenty of options to, to race these cars in other places and put all your development work in race conditions to good work when you rock up at Bathurst for the high-tech oils Bathurst 6 hour. Um, if I had to tip a winner for Class D, it's actually quite tricky because of the diversity of machinery, but the number 11 Lone Star racing Toyota 86 with Murray Dowsett and Mitch Madron and Lachlan Bloxham. There's plenty of talent on board that car, so I have a feeling they might get the job done. Class C is described as the performance class, and you would have to also, I think, describe it as the hot hatch class, Dave, given the types of cars in the field. So we've got some HSV Astra VXRs, which are the turbocharged front-wheel drive Astras. We've got a couple of Renault Megane RSs. We've got a Mini Cooper S. We've got a couple of VW Scirocco's, BMW 130i, and also the tried-and-true Mazda 3 MPS of Jake Camilleri and Scott Nicholas, which has had quite a lot of success in production car racing over many, many years. Particularly when it's wet. So these are the cars that can really throw an upset and a spanner in the works for some of the front-running car, front-running teams, because if in doubt, in a front-wheel drive car, it's throttle out. Uh, the cars are very well balanced. They're, they look after the, their powertrains really well in the wet, uh, particularly being able to apply throttle and drag the car into a straight line and get it where it's going. You try to do the same thing in one of the high-powered BMWs that 
might be running with some of its traction control turned down just to stop all the electronic nannies cutting in and you're liable to rotate the thing very, very quickly in short order. Um, and we've seen that in a lot of production car racing, some giant killing efforts from that Camilleri Mazda 3 MPS in the past. It is a car that's getting a bit long in the tooth though. And as we start to see cars go through successive seasons and seasons, even as you refresh a lot of the mechanical parts, you can start to run into some long-term uh, maintenance and fatigue issues that you mm -hmm. may not be aware of. Um, time does march on. We've seen a lot of new cars come into the class. And of course, a little bit of classing structure shifting in the off-season as a, as a slight rejig to the 3E regulations in terms of power to weight and multipliers. So the, uh, the, Maz the, <clears throat> the Mini uh, R56 JCWs moved up from Class D into Class C, but still a car that's well capable of putting in a good performance. Of course, we saw the, uh, the Mini Challenge for several seasons in Australia, mm -hmm. and quite a number of those cars <laughs> raced very hard, wheel to wheel or yep. ro roof to road occasionally. You were in I one was, of them, I yes. was in one of them once. Um, really great fun car to drive. Um, a little bit lighter than some of the other cars in the class, but it also only has a 1.6 litre turbo engine versus the 2 litre turbos that we see in things like the Astras, the Megans, and the VW Scirocco's. Yeah, there's some pretty talented names within the class they failed. So yeah, Colin Osborne is running his two Renault Megans, as he has done for a number of years. And in the number 31 car, we've got Jordan Sinney, who's currently racing in the Dunlop Super 2 Series with Eggleston Motorsport, and also Jackson Rice, who's one of the front runners in the TA2 Muscle Car Series. So a couple of very talented drivers in that car. Bit of a question mark for mine over the reliability of the Renaults, though. So if they can go the distance, they'll be very strong contenders, but I, I just worry a bit about their long, longevity. If it's wet, I'm going to put it out there, and there is the possibility that we will get some rain for the race on Sunday. I'm going to tip Jake Camilleri and Scott Nicholas to finish in the top 10 outright for the reasons that you've outlined before. The predicting, predictable front-wheel drive handling of that Mazda 3 MPS and the fact that Jake's had some really good results in the wet in the past, I reckon that that's going to take the fight up to and, and quite possibly finish ahead of a lot of the the uh, ostensibly faster and more powerful vehicles. I won't disagree with you there, Lachlan. Um, as I said, really impressive to see the results that you know a good team with good drivers, with good strategy, minimal mechanical intervention, get their compulsory pit stops out of the way, basically unleashes them against some of the bigger, heavier cars, which might have to take uh, some longer pit stops later in the race to sort out brakes or sort out tyres. So definitely looking for another great performance from a Class C runner at the end of the six hours. So from the hot hatch class, we move up to the rear-wheel drive V8 Aussie sedan class, which is Class B2 for high-performance, naturally aspirated cars. Another class that's relatively sparse in terms of the entries because we've only got two cars in it. We've got car number 42 for Justin Elliott, Blair Cole and Michael Ferns, and then the number 73 car for Brent Edwards, Cody McKay, and Bradley McDonald, both of the Commodore SSVs. And um, definitely, I think Brent Edwards, he's done a lot of racing in a Ford, actually, in saloon cars, and, and more recently, the Australian Super TT Championship as part of the High Tech Oil Super Series program. And Cody McKay, we're quite familiar with him from his work that he does in the Aussie Racing Car Series. But... Uh, 
Um, yeah, I mean, obviously Holden now defunct manufacturer. They don't make cars anymore, but good to see that they're still represented in a production car race like this one. Well, absolutely. I mean, the, the simplicity and the reliability, the dependability of that, that General Motors LS family, coupled up with a Tremec six-speed transmission, which is nearly bulletproof, um, the very large heavy-duty rear axle assembly that's all part of the Zeta architecture, pioneered by Australian engineers, uh, Holden's billion dollar baby was the VE Commodore. Um, continued on that platform VE and VF and we'll see another, another couple of entries based on that platform. Um, what we won't be seeing though is uh, the last, one of the last cars developed on an iteration of that platform which of course is one of the, the new Camaros which won't be making it to this race this year but we'll look forward to uh, one of the Camaro SS's joining the field next year. Uh, again, two teams with cars well developed um, very durable platform, um, just want to make sure that they look after the car and nurse it along and there are going to be quite a lot of cars which are going to be similar on pace in a straight line um, but they're probably going to be faster than these cars in the corners so it'll be about keeping an eye on traffic and making sure they're not positioned in the wrong place across the top of the mountain mm -hmm. where occasionally we have seen cars that are ostensibly running quite well uh, be taken out just by you know errant drivers not paying enough attention to the mirrors or some rather over-enthusiastic overtaking manoeuvres, um, particularly in the dying stages of the race. In terms of outright results, how do we see these cars going? I think you could probably put a couple of them in that, that sort of same window that we look at some of the Class C cars, which is strategy playing out well and some mechanical failure for some of the, uh, the more technically sophisticated vehicles. As we saw last year, a number of BMW runners encountering technical difficulties from ECUs, high-pressure fuel pumps, coil packs, you name it, they ran into problems. Um, but something with a little bit less, less sophisticated powertrain, there's nothing quite like a big V8. Um, it's a little bit easier to work on, plenty of space under the engine bay, and uh, of course, one of the advantages of having a Holden where they made several hundred thousand of them, they populate all the car parks, is if you run into a problem with the car on Friday or Saturday, it's relatively simple to go down to your local uh, local Repco, Super Cheap Auto, Autobahn, choose your parts provider here, and you can find parts, be it ignition coil, spark plugs, fuel pump for these cars, relatively simply mm. on the shelves at most of the major parts distributors. And if you do run into trouble, you can go check out the, uh, the Spectator car park. I reckon you could break into a car. I'm not condoning it, but there's stories about cars like that um, being returned to uh, racetrack condition by uh, liberating some components from the Spectator's car park. That's probably a good reason for me to leave my VF Commodore SS parked in the garage and drive to Bathurst in my Hyundai i30 instead. Absolutely, Lachlan, <laughs> couldn't agree more. Uh, all right, so class B1 is for the high performance forced induction cars. So we've got four BMWs and a Subaru and a good mixture of cars in this class and a good mixture of driver talent as well. Of particular note, the number 28 Spinifex recruiting BMW 335i of Gary Minnell, Matt Charter and Matt Harris. Gary Minnell, very experienced in motorsport, in car preparation, category management and driving. Matt Charter, of course, competes in the Dunlop Super 2 Series and Matt Harris is one of the front runners in New South Wales improved production. But the car is particularly significant because... Now owned by Peter O'Donnell, two-time Bathurst 12-hour winning car in 2007 and 2010. 
the last year, of course, at the Bathurst 12-hour was run to production car rules before the GT3 uh, invasion, so to speak, or the, uh, the modern era when the Bathurst 12-hour race went global in 2011. Of course, the cars continued to run after that in the Invitational class. It got more and more modified, got some wings on it, got some slicks on it. Uh, now, of course, it's one of the longest and most enduring uh, production cars ever run in Australia. Uh, still reasonably competitive. Uh, we saw, uh, I think, uh, Chas Mostert and, uh, uh, whose name escapes me, um, we saw that car Nathan run. Nathan Morecambe. Nathan Morecambe, of course, um, put in a really good run in that car um, when the Bathurst 6 hour kicked in uh, for production cars. So definitely not a car to underestimate. But again, we're talking about a car... It looks reasonably modern, but when that car ran first in 2007, it would have been built in 2006. This is a 17-year-old car mm. we're talking about. Hard to believe, isn't it? It is, but most of the gremlins have been sorted out. Uh, the team's got a vast array of, of spare parts, as you need to have for these BMWs, because at a moment's notice, you can lose an emission coil, lose, a, lose an injector. Um, they, uh, they're very experienced down there at on-track motorsport, and they know what they're doing about making sure the cars make it to the end of the race on Sunday. There's a couple of other combinations that I want to highlight in Class B1. In car number 96, we've got Scott Turner, Jordan Cox, and Rob Rubis. Now, Rob Rubis was originally going to be driving with Nick Perkett and Shane Smollen in a Class X car, but unfortunately they were late. Withdrawal, so Rob Rubis has jumped into this car instead, but Jordan Cox, we know how spectacular he's been at Mount Panorama in the past in improved production and in TCR as well more recently. So looking forward to seeing what he can do behind the wheel with the BMW 135i. And we've also got an all-female combination in this class, Dave. The triple nine car of Carly Buccini, Alexandra Best and Courtney Prince, who was fresh off her debut in the Porsche Carrera Cup Australia Championship. Absolutely, a pack of fast females in that car and definitely something that we're looking forward to seeing more of as the Bathurst six hour race grows to more prominence. A very accessible form of motorsport and great to have them with us, particularly showcasing, I mean, watching, seeing the reveal for Courtney's BWT livery, that Porsche Centre Melbourne car was outstanding. And it just goes to show that there is a vast, uh, a vast array of female talent just waiting to be tapped into in the Australian motorsport landscape and uh, can't wait to see what uh, what they get up to uh, in the big six hour race on the Sunday. You got a prediction for that class Dave? Look, the heartstrings uh, pull on me and say it'd be good to see another, another class win uh, for the 335i. Uh, the head goes hard to look past a Manif-Cox combo uh, with uh, Scott Turner as well. It's actually Rob Rubis. So it was going to be Lockie Manif, oh, but sorry. unfortunately with the the withdrawal of the other car, Rob Rubis has now jumped in. But I do tend to agree. I think that car is going to be very strong. The, uh, the BMW 135i, which runs the same engine as the 335i, but being a, a lighter car with a shorter wheelbase, has a better power-to-weight ratio, and it's also going to be a bit more nimble over the top of the mountain. Well, certainly a little bit more similar to what Jordan Cox would drive. I mean, I think he'll be, he'll be out of sorts a little bit. It's rear-wheel drive, not front-wheel drive. It's got six cylinders, not four cylinders. So it'll be interesting to see how he adapts to a car that's a little bit different. But, of course, Jordan, very meticulous in the preparation of his own vehicles. And, of course, he's been doing great things in the uh, Super Cheap Auto TCR Australia series.
All right, so we're getting towards the business end of the field now. We move up to class A2, which is for the extreme performance, naturally aspirated cars. And we've got some big names in this class. Tony Quinn and his grandson, Ryder Quinn, being joined by Bathurst's own TV star, Grant Denyer, in the number seven Ford Mustang. Uh, Aaron Seaton, he'll be driving alongside Jason Gomesall in a Mustang as well. We've got the HSV Club Sport R8, which was the last car, the last Aussie muscle car to finish on an outright podium at the Bathurst Six Hour with Matt Holt, Nathan Callahan, and Chris Lillis. We've got Chris Delfsma making his return to production car racing. He'll be joined by Ryan Kasher. And also Ryland Gray, who's been having some quite good results in the Aussie racing cars. But I think in terms of high-profile names, it's hard to go past. In car number 95, Marcus Ambrose making his return to Mount Panorama, the two-time supercars champion, the multiple NASCAR race winner, has effectively retired from racing, but there's one race track that he's yet to achieve success at. That's Mount Panorama. The Bathurst 1000 was never a race that was kind to him, so he's going to come back and, and try and get a Bathurst victory on the, the scoreboard at the high-tech oil six-hour. He'll be driving alongside George Maydickey and Tim Brook. So looking through that field, if we cast our minds back to last year's edition of the race, um, the first normally aspirated car across the line was actually the Tony Quinn Grant Denyer Local Legends Mustang Mac 1 last year. So 128 laps completed, so two laps down and just, just under uh, two minutes further back behind the leaders. So basically two and a half, two and three quarter laps down on the leaders. Uh, but car ran well, made it to the end. This of course was a car that got upgraded from a Mustang GT into a Mustang Mach 1. <laughs> now for those playing along at home, the Mach 1's the car that you want for the Bathurst 6 hour because it comes with much better front aerodynamics, more radiator intake to keep the engine cooler, better brake cooling, comes with an integrated transmission and differential cooler, Tremec 6 speed, gearbox with much closer gearing in it than the normal uh, six-speed Getrag gearbox that's in the Mustang GT. And of course, it's got a little little bit of a lip spoiler on the boot lid. Um, and of course, it does also run wider wheels front and back, which of course uh, allows you to run a wider MRF control tire. Interestingly for me is that the Medeki car is entered as a Mustang GT and not a, not a Mustang Mach 1. Of course, they've decided to go with the automatic gearbox. Mm figuring that the close spacing of the 10R80 gearbox behind that Ford Coyote motor will give them the extra speed they need up and over the top and coming down the chute. The question mark in my mind, and I've seen this from a lot of the Mustang groups that I'm part of in the US, when pushed, that, sorry, driving every day uh, in traffic, in, in commutes, and an occasional club sprint, the 10-speed the auto is fantastic, really responsive by the paddles on the back of the steering wheel, great set of ratios and able to perform. When pushed for longer periods of time, it's a very difficult gearbox to get the heat out of. And I just have this question mark of going, the car will probably be quick in practice, we'll see some spectacular sprints in qualifying between some of those drivers, but it's still a big question mark for me as to whether that car can make it to the end of the race on Sunday with heat management. Mm. Now, anecdotally, I've heard they've done a lot of work on trying to make sure that the, that the, that the gearbox can make it that, that far. Uh, but for my mind, 
the potential benefit of that automatic transmission is outweighed by the question marks on it. If it was me and it was my money, as the car that we're building is, uh, the Mac one with the Tremec uh, six-speed manual gearbox, as being run by, uh, by the Quins, as being run by the Alfords, um, definitely for me, those are the cars to beat. Um, the, a little bit more of a weight advantage over the, the Club Sports um, and the C63 AMG Mercedes. And of course, with those wider wheels that they come with the standard um, and the allowances under the 3E rules, they're able to get a pretty decent tyre under a Mustang GT bodywork. Uh, the bodywork under a Mercedes C63 AMG, even if you could, even if you were allowed to run a wider wheel, you'd struggle to fit the tyre under the bodywork under the regulations. So. Yeah, and speaking of that Mercedes C63 AMG, that is the car of Tony Levitt and Mark Griffith, which is actually the ex-Carl Begg and Justin Anthony car, which has had a class win and an outright top 10 finish at the Bathurst 6-hour previously. Definitely gets points for being possibly the best-sounding car down the chute. Ooh, yeah. Without, yeah. without doubt. And one of the fastest down the chute as well. Absolutely. Not much in the way of aerodynamic <laughs> drag on that car. A car that we saw last year, which of course is also running an automatic transmission, is the Lexus RCF which Steve, Steve Owen debuted last year alongside a couple of his drivers. Uh, a much heavier car, a much bigger car. It's got presence, it's got mm. styling, um, but not exactly the car that was setting the, 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 the lap charts alive with lap time. Still, 12 months on, lots of development, lots of research gone into making sure that that car is reliable and makes it to the end. Um, so it'll be interesting, again, we could, all be wrong. We could get to qualifying at the end of Saturday and be blown away by how different the grid looks to our predictions. So um, this is a this is a class where it's all about. Uh, it's basically there's nothing quite like a big V8. Um, in fact, the smallest engine in this class is five liters in capacity. <laughs> so uh, plenty of cars, pl plenty of choice in here um, of your V8 pleasure, whether you like five liters or six point six liters or six point two. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how the Lexus goes. They had some mechanical problems last year, as I recall. And compared to the other cars in this class, it seems like more of a, a grand tourer than an out-and-out -out race car. But anyway, full credit to Scott Gore and Keith Bensley for going for something unique for this class and adding a bit of variety and diversity. Two classes left to go. So class A1 is the extreme performance forced induction class and this is the domain of a lot of turbocharged all-wheel drive and some turbocharged rear-wheel drive vehicles as well. But again, we've got some pretty big names in this class. Uh, you look at somebody like John Bow who's sharing the FPV uh, GTF with uh, Aaron McGill, a very experienced production car racer. We've got last year's Bathurst 6-hour winner, Cameron Hill not in the driver's seat but on the radio to Dean Campbell and Cameron Crick in their Mitsubishi Evo 10. We've got the Bargwana cousins, Ben and Jude Bargwana, teaming up in an Audi TT, which is pretty cool. But uh, the combination that's won this class the last two years, albeit with slightly different drivers each time, has been the number 45 Ram Motorsport Mercedes A45 AMG, and this year it will be shared by Mike Sheargold, who is going for three class wins on the trot, along with his GT GWR Australian teammate Brett Hobson, 
and also Dylan O'Keefe from Porsche Carrera Cup. The AMG A45 was a curious one. We saw, I think, the first year or two they turned up, nothing but mechanical failures in those first couple of years. You know, expiring turbos, plumes of smoke appearing out the back of them fairly early on the race. A lot of research and development work, a lot of endurance testing, a few failures during testing and, uh, and running in other production car races, but a very well-sorted package, uh, underpinned by the fact that in terms of the size tyre that it runs compared to the size brake that it can run, and the weight distribution of the vehicle, very well sorted. It's basically a hot hatch on steroids. You know, this is the, you know, this is basically a Mercedes version of a, of a Mitsubishi Evo or a Subaru WRX STI. Um, but again, paddle shifted, dual clutch tra transmission, very, very high tech compared to some of the other cars in the class. Um, you know, the Lancer Evo, Evo 10 uh, used to be the mainstay of this race. You know, back in the early days of the production car Enduros, 07, 08, 09, 10, those uh, halcyon days of the Bathurst 12-hour revival. If you wanted to win, you called up Alan Heafy at TMR and you put down, uh, you put your money down and you bought an off-the-shelf, ready-to-go production car build of a Mitsubishi Lancer Evo 10. Mm -hmm. um, these days, unfortunately, the Lancer Evo 10 doesn't quite cut it for outright pace. Um, speaking of which, the, the Falcon GTF or the FPV GTF, amazing car, you know, one of the last vehicles to roll out of Campbellfield before Ford took the high performance Ford package in-house. Um, unfortunately for that car, it's very difficult to squeeze a big tyre under Falcon bodywork, particularly given the size wheels that the car came with originally. And with that supercharger nestled in the valley of the Coyote V8 engine, um, very difficult to keep um, very difficult to keep heat soak out of the engine over very long runs. So we saw with the car last year, the best lap time that car was capable of doing in the 2022 edition uh, was a two minute 32.7, whereas other cars in the A1 class are doing uh, two minute 30s, two minute 28s. Uh, in fact, a two minute, two minute 30.6 was the fastest time for the race winner, uh, which of course, sorry, the class winner which of course was Sheargold O'Keefe uh, sharing that uh, Mercedes AMG A45. So, but it's a Ford, and it's got John Bow behind the wheel, and it's an endurance race, and and it's a Bathurst. Surely, those ingredients you can't count that car out. Again, we we don't write the story, folks. We just <laughs> we just tell you the preamble, and the story rolls on from there. Again, uh, John Bow, of course, having announced he'll be uh, stepping aside from uh, Touring Car Masters at the end of this season. So if you want an opportunity to see John Bow at Bathurst in a, in a Falcon of all things, not in his uh, legendary Tirana, um, this is the place to come and see it. Um, but again, a well-sorted package, but maybe just not quite the powder weight and the performance level versus some of the other cars in the class. I think in terms of outright results, if we go back to last year, the best outright result for a Class A1 car was fourth with that sheer gold O'Keefe Mercedes, and they actually managed to finish on the lead lap thanks to some good strategy. I think, to be honest, that's probably about the limit of where you would see a Class A1 car finishing from an outright perspective, given the, the performance of the Class X cars, and unless it's wet. That could be the big equaliser if we get some rain. Yeah, the all-wheel drive or the formatic all-wheel drive system underneath the Mercedes. If we actually look down through that field, we've got all-wheel drive Evo, all-wheel drive Evo, all-wheel drive A45. 
rear-wheel drive BMW, rear-wheel drive Falcon, another four-wheel drive AMG, and a four-wheel drive Evo, four-wheel drive Subaru WRX STI, uh, and a four-wheel drive Audi TTRS, which of course is the domain of Ben and Jude Barguana. We didn't actually mention this car. This of course, this course is another car that was developed by Alan Heafy down at TMR. Um, very well-sorted Audi TT, but a little bit of a question mark as far as where the car sits outright pace-wise. We saw some really good performances from the car in the production car racing that they used it for to try to warm up for the six hour, but haven't seen so much from it yet. So it'll be interesting to see what 12 mm. months worth of development looks like for that car. They could be a smoky, I think, for a, for a top six or a top five, if we mention that the weather conditions uh, go the wrong way. But of course, they'll have some very, if you ever wanted to be, watch a family team with you know, decades worth of racing experience to draw on and figuring out exactly what the weather's going to do based on what that tree over there is doing. Um, it'll be the Barguana brothers, brothers, cousins and extended family in that, in that Audi team will definitely know what the mountain's going to do. Yeah, so Ben Barguana is the son of Jason, the 2000 Bathurst winner, and Jude Barguana is the son of Scott, who is also a class winner at the Bathurst 1000 way back in 1992. And one thing about the Barguanas is they certainly know how to drive in the wet. So if it rains, like you said, that is a combination to look out for. And the last car I wanted to talk about in this class, the VW Golf R of Chemu Cell, Ian Solteri, and also jumping in Adrian Sarkis off the back of some really good performances in Formula Ford. That's the all-wheel drive version of the VW Golf. So that, again, another turbocharged all-wheel drive car. Absolutely. Again, haven't seen so much of the car running it, and as we've seen with some of the Volkswagen uh, Volkswagen Group products, occasionally not the best or most sorted things for the long distance endurance races. Again, this is a four cylinder turbo car as opposed to the TTRS, which is a five cylinder turbo car, maybe not working as hard with two and a half liters versus two. But uh, again, with inclement weather, a potential for Sunday at Bathurst, uh, who knows where that, which way that class is going to go. Absolutely a, a chance that a, one or two of those cars could end up in the, in the top six, but with the strength of the cars in Class X, who knows whether anyone on the outright podium could come from anything other than Class X. All right, time for us to talk about the sharp end of the field, the ultimate performance cars in Class X, and this class is very much the domain of BMWs. In fact, all but one car in Class X is a Beamer. The uh, only non-BMW entry is the number 90 HSV GTS of Dwayne West and Tony Dalberto, but there's some serious talent in this class, you've got Anton De Pasquale driving alongside Anthony Saul and Adam Burgess. You've got Jaden Ojeda teaming up with Simon Hodges. You've got Will Davison teaming up with a couple of former winners of this race in Barry Clinton and Tim Lay. Another supercar driver in this class, Thomas Randall. So he'll slot into the BMW M2 alongside brothers Ben and Michael Cavage. And you've also got another former winning car in the hands of Grant and Ian Sharon. And Garth Walden and Michael Orms, they've had success in some of the lower classes in production car races at Bathurst in the past. They've stepped up to the outright class. They're in the car that finished second last year with Tim Slade and Brad Carr. They've purchased that car and they'll be joined by Tyler Everingham. So this is the class that our outright winner will most likely come from. 
And uh, yeah, there's definitely some serious driving talent represented within Class X. Absolutely, definitely the domain of BMW. Um, they're one of the few European manufacturers that makes a high performance super saloon that gets in under the 149.999 budget cap um, as dictated in the Motorsport Australia 3E regulations. Um, if you get a chance folks, have a, have a read of those regulations. The regs have evolved substantially over time and it's allowed cars like this into the race. When we saw endurance racing for production cars at Bathurst come back, uh, what was it now, 16 years ago in 2007, uh, the budget cap was $100,000. Now inflation's been a bit mean since then, so the budget cap now is $150,000, which is why we see these BMWs, these M3s and M4s, and the BMW M2, which of course took out last year's race win. Um, interestingly, it'll be interesting to see how the organisers tackle. Uh, they do have a, a couple of feathers in their cap with regards to a balance of performance. Now, traditionally, production car racing is only balanced versus what the car weighs and how big the tyre is that's on the car and uh, how big a fuel tank and how many fuel stops you do. However, the Bathurst 6-hour organisers uh, bring in some additional pit stops for the Class X cars. They also have often instituted some BOP requirements on the BMWs, either reducing their maximum boost pressure or by increasing their ride height to try to reduce some of their grip level over the top of the mountain, try to bring them back to the field. Um, there's been basically no stopping them though since no. then. Um, although the BMW M2 competition was running last year under a um, temporary or a um, a non-fully complete uh, homologation form. Uh, since that time, the last 12 months, there has been a lot of to and fro in the production car community about what is and isn't a production car option. So it'll be interesting to see what, what appearance and what configuration a lot of these cars turn up in uh, when the technical staff, so led by um, some very savvy people from the production car community, uh, do all the eligibility checking on the cars and make sure that everything's as it's meant to be. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether the M2 holds the edge performance-wise over the M3 and the M4. Um, but how do you pick from this group? I mean, um, even you know, Beric Linton and Tim Lay had run very competitively without bringing in a pro mm. um, in this race in the past. But certainly the last few years have proved if you want to be there at the end, you need someone whose full-time job it is is to run flat out at the limit of the machinery right to the end of strategy at the at, you know doing an hour and a half to two hours in the car as much as you want the driver to have mechanical sympathy it's now become a sprint race at the end you've got to have a driver who's got speed and doesn't make mistakes at the end we certainly have seen that the last couple of years obviously the the battle between cameron hill and tim slade towards the end of last year's race was an absolute cracker and if you go back to the year before 2021, Shane Smolin, Rob Rubis and Shane Van Gisbergen ended up winning the race. Smolin and Rubis, they stayed out of trouble, kept their noses clean, didn't really run towards the front of the field during their stints, but once it was time for Van Gisbergen to get in the car at the end, he blazed his way forward as was to be expected and ended up taking the race victory. The car that won last year in the hands of Cameron Hill and Tom Sargent, not running this year, but... Like I said, there is still BMW M2 running in this class in the hands of the Cabbage Brothers and Thomas Randall. And uh, yes, you'd have to say that this is probably the, the class that the outright winner is going to come from. So the other thing as well, as you touched on the extra pit stops, what we've seen 
is that because there is a reasonably high propensity for safety cars at the six hour, purely because of the sheer volume of cars on the grid, most of the, the teams in Class X have opted to use those safety cars to get their extra pit stop out of the way, and therefore it hasn't really been a disadvantage to them. Although, if, again, if you're getting ready for the, for the event, make sure you get a set of the event supplementary regulations, including all of the technical and sporting regs off the Bathurst 6-hour website, because there's a few nuances in there regarding the pit stops in terms of when the compulsory pit stop window opens, when it closes, and while you can do a compulsory pit stop under safety car, you can only do one. Per safety per car. Per safety car, yeah. period. Yeah, so you can't come in, do a compulsory pit stop, go out for a lap and then come back in and do a second one. No. Not allowed. But as we saw as we saw in the Bathurst 12 hour even in, uh, in 2022, um, a number of teams have cottoned onto this idea of going, you take the pain and you take it early, uh, particularly when the option presents itself, to get all your compulsory pit stop obligations out of the way. So hopefully as the race pans out towards the end, you might not have the outright speed to battle the class leaders, but if you've got a pit stop in hand in terms of time on track, it gives you some flexibility in terms of how hard you push the car, how aggressive you are in, in, uh, in how you're getting through traffic, but also which of your drivers you put in at certain times. Mm. Again, uh, there are restrictions in terms of how long the driver can be in the car, and also how long the driver has to be out of the car before they can get back in. So the teams with three drivers have got an awful awful lot more flexibility and that's probably why I think it's going to be one of those three driver teams that uh, that puts their hand puts one hand on the trophy in the last two hours of the race um, you know we saw the the performance for the Sewell Burgess car last year crueled by electronic failure mm. um, you know we've seen uh, uh, we've seen Tim Lay and Berwick Linton again crueled by wheel stud failure in the past so much time and energy has gone into these packages to make them you know, run basically flat out for six hours. These are cars that roll out of the BMW showrooms. They go down to the you know, Berwick Linton, you know, BM, or the Bruce Linton BMW service garages. They get stripped of all their unnecessary components. They get their full safety cages uh, welded in. Very large and, and, uh, and very capable braking systems with very thick brake pads installed. So they don't have to do brake pad changes. Very high end, you know, um, two or three or four way re remote uh, adjustable um, damper systems. Um, you know, no work to the aerodynamics because there's no wings, there's no splitters, there's no under trays you bolt on the car. Just lightweight wheels, good tyres, lots of prep, a nice exhaust system, a bit of an engine tune, and that's basically it in terms of what you're allowed to do to the cars. So the simple fact, this is just an amazing advertisement for BMW and the practice that they have of putting all of this technology into a car that is an attainable, affordable sports saloon. Um, admittedly, I think you'd struggle to drive one out of a BMW dealership for less than 150 grand with the way the options list is at, uh, from BMW M yeah. these days. But uh, I think definitely uh, one of those three driver combinations is gonna be my tick. Will it be, you know, Will Davison? Will, will add another uh, Bathurst trophy to his cabinet? Uh, will it be Anton Di Pasquale? Um, could it be Tom Randall coming back um, from his um, battles with cancer in the last couple of years and, of course, doing a great job aboard the Castrol Mustang for Tickford this year? Um, you know, could it be Tyler Everingham, you know, one of the shining lights coming out of Super 3 into Super 2 
um, you know, remains to be seen which one of these drivers will be uh, there at the end. But certainly, I hope, if nothing else, we'll have a Bathurst finish like we normally do, where after 6, 12 or 24 hours of racing, it comes down to just a few seconds between the cars across the line. So with all of that in mind then, it's time, thanks to high-tech filters, to filter out the contenders from the pretenders and give our fearless predictions for who is going to finish on the podium in this year's high-tech oils bath of six hours. So Dave, who are your podium tips? It's hard to go past Linton, Lay and Davison. Um, they have all the know-how of how to make those cars fast and reliable. Uh, they've got a win in the bag. They know what needs to happen. And Will Davison, as your ace in the hole, give him some time in the car. Will's proven that he can win Bathurst Enduros on multiple occasions. Um, definitely a safe pair of hands to have the car um, underneath them at the end of the race. Um, but it wouldn't. It would behoove me not to have a sneaky sideways bet on uh, on Tom Randall at the end. So. You're tipping Linton Lane and Davison for the win. The Cabbages and Randall for second. Yep. Third. Third, I think it is the time that, uh, that Sewell Burgess can uh, help Anton Di Pasquale make it to the Bathurst podium um, in an outright sense. I think that's a car that, uh, if nothing else, last year's experience, they will have, they will rock up at this event with all of the gremlins sorted and they will be, uh, they'll have the bit between their teeth. They'll be looking to uh, avenge their 2022 high-tech oils about their six-hour results. So my predictions then, I am going to agree with you on the Beric Linton, Tim Lay and Will Davison combination for the win. We know that Will is going to be extremely fast, but I, I think that Linton and Lay are not to be underestimated either. And they will be the quickest, I think, out of a lot of the non-professional drivers in the field. For second, I'm going to tip the, the Russell trios. So Drew Russell and Aaron Russell, the brothers who will be familiar to many people during their time in supercars, main game and development series, and also their father, Wayne Russell. Uh, they were very quick last year. So I'm going to tip them for the podium as well to come home second. And then just for a bit of an outsider... I'm going to tip that there's going to be a bit of rain on Sunday, and I'm going to predict that that will allow a Class A1 car to get up onto the podium. And I think it might be the Barguanas, Ben and Jude in that Audi to come home third. That's bold. That's bold, Lachlan. But uh, when uh, coming from you, I know it's come from a place of uh, good research and a really good gut feel. So that is the Checkered Flag chat preview complete for the 2023 edition of the High Tech Oils about the six hour. Hopefully see you trackside. If not, don't forget you can catch all of the action live on Sunday on Stan Sport. My thanks to Dave Stilwell for joining me for this podcast. Catch you trackside. I'm Lockie Mansell. Bye for now.